Brother. Christmas. The Advent. There is something profoundly moving about this event. Perhaps at no other time in human history has there been such a profound and intimate intersection of the divine and the human. There are times when we have trouble identifying with Jesus, who's God. When Jesus came as a babe, we can all can all identify with that. The fact that when he came, you announced his coming, not to the rich and powerful, but to the lowest of the low, to those who had really nothing more to give than their music, the song of their heart, the little drummer boy. Something very profound about that. And each one of us, as we come to you, the, the more we get to know you, the more we have to, we are forced to admit we really have nothing to give you of any value other than ourselves. It's very humbling to realize that every time someone responds to your gift of forgiveness and salvation in Jesus, that the angels in heaven rejoice over that. Because the human soul is of, a, of infinite value. Our souls, who, who we are, who you have made us to be. You value us enough to do what you did some 2,000 years ago. Even that's difficult for us to imagine 2,000 years ago. But right now, you continue to intersect with us. Thank you for the reality that we are never alone now. Your Holy Spirit, Jesus, you promised that you would not leave us alone. So on that day of Pentecost, when Holy Spirit, you came and you began to indwell every believer. You indwell everyone this morning right here who claims the name of Jesus by faith. <coughs> Profound truth that God is in us now. Not just with us, that's profound enough. Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, this babe in the manger who left eternity and stepped into time. Oh my goodness, yes. But now we have the privilege of having you actually in residence in our being. Thank you. Thank you for the peace that you bring in the middle of all that's going on around us. And we are forced at times to pause in the middle of the celebration and realize we still live in a very broken, dying world. There are so many people around us who are hurting, who don't have that joy. They don't know what it is to go to bed at night with a clean heart. Thank you, Jesus, for making that possible. Thank you for that hope that dwells in us today. Yes, certainly a hope for a future, a time when death and dying will be done, pain and suffering will not probably even be remembered. We look forward to that. But more than that, that hope indwells us right now because you are in us and where there is God, there is hope and there's joy. And there's a profound level of peace. So, Father, I would pray that if there are any of your created children here this morning who don't have that kind of relationship with you through this one who came as babe, who proceeded to manhood, 
he became a babe really for one purpose and that was so that as an adult man he could die and pay the penalty for my sin thank you Jesus I would pray that if there's anyone today who does not know what it is to be your child by faith in Jesus Holy Spirit would you speak very clearly would you touch deep inside the human heart Assure us that not only are you real, but you care, you're here, and you desire to weave us into the creations that you've desired and intended us to be from day one. We know we're not there, but with your help and with your intervention and your, com- your constant companionship and enabling, we can become who you intended us to be. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. What a week. Uh, Tuesday evening, of course, is our annual Thanksgiving service. That was a month or so ago. (laughs) Christmas Eve service. And I I trust that you can be here and be a part of that. Uh, What a joy it's going to be to share the candle lighting together, recognizing the light of the world, who now says that you and I, as his children, are the light of the world. Wow. Well, I I want to walk you through something this morning. Uh, I don't know how much you've thought about it. I don't know if it really matters to you. But the reality is that there was a day in time, a real day, when God became flesh. It was not just some spiritual whatever celebration. It was an actual day in time when God stepped out of eternity and into time. I don't want to get uh, too logistical with you today, but have you ever have you ever wondered when was it really that Jesus was born? <laughs> we all understand, of course, that uh, Jesus was born on uh, uh, December twenty fifth of uh, what of eighty one or BC one. When was he born? The reality is that uh, our, our Latin calendars, uh, they end with AD or BC1 and begin with AD1. You realize that's two years of unaccounted for time, okay? Have you ever thought about that? Um, well, let, let, let's think about it a little bit more this morning. Jesus. Uh, yes, was born according to our calendar on December 25th, 0 A.D. Well, there is no such thing as 0 A.D. But there's a whole lot more uncertainty regarding the exact day of Jesus' birth than that. Um, Interestingly, I believe significantly, only two of the Gospels, how many Gospels are there in the New Testament? There are four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are only two of those that address the birth of Jesus. Which ones are those? Matthew and Luke, the first and the third uh, chronologically of the Gospels. They are the only ones that address this birth narrative, if you will. Why? Well, the reality is the Gospels were more, much more concerned with the fact that the Word, Jesus, God Himself, became flesh and dwelt among us. They're much more concerned with the fact that He did that than when He did it. And we get so caught up in our time orientation today, uh, especially in that day, that just was not the case. Does the Bible, though, give us any help with a date? Well, kind of yes and no. Uh, 
Galatians. You, you may never have thought of Galatians for the Christmas narrative, but Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, uh, the Apostle Paul says this, But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. When the time had fully come, the old King James, I, I really, the King James uh, interpretation, translation of this sticks with me. In the fullness of time. When the time was exactly right, Jesus came. Well, what was so exactly right about that time? What was so perfect about this? Why was this the fullness of time when Jesus came? Well, uh, let me give you some things to think about you may never have put together. There were, for the first time in human history, three critical realities in place at the birth of Jesus. First time in all of human history. Number one, there was, <laughs> there was peace all over the civilized world at that time. For the first time in human history. Now, of course, all of the civilized world at that time was controlled by whom? Rome. Rome's control went all the way from the British Isles, all the way touching uh, India. It was a bloody peace, but it was peace. There was one government in control and exercising a peace that made it possible for people to live in peace for the first time in human history. The second thing in place was also uh, due to the Roman influence. The second thing that was in place for the first time in human history was a worldwide transportation system called the Roman roads. There were navigable, travelable roads all the way from Western Europe all the way to east of the Middle East, what we call the Middle East today, all the way to North Africa, all the way up into Northern Europe. For the first time in human history, there were roads that were protected by a Roman army, and there were roads that goods could go, but not just goods. At that time, there was no internet, there were no telephones, we know that. But how did information move? Information moved on roads at that time. So the first time in human history, there was peace, there was a communication network developed all across the civilized world for the very first time in human history. But perhaps the most important is this. For the first time in human history, there was one trade language. Now, do you know, what, do you know what I mean by that? If you were going to engage in any kind of commerce anywhere in the world, you did it with the trade language. Today, the universal worldwide trade language is what? English. English. At that time, the, the, the trade language was what? Do you know? It was not Latin, it was Greek. But you've got to get even more, it was, it was a special dialect of Greek. And what was that? Koine Greek. Okay, now let's connect the dots. What was the New Testament written in? Greek. Greek. What dialect of Greek? Koine Greek. The New Testament was written in the trade language of the day, so that for the first time in human history, something that happened in a little town in Bethlehem, in an obscure place, that news could travel all over the civilized world because there was peace, there was a communication network, and everybody spoke the same language. Yeah. Very cool. First time in human history. The fullness of time. 
This doesn't help much with the date, though, does it? No, that's all right. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A couple of phrases here. This day. This day that Jesus was born was a specific, real in time day. In the city of David, a very real, known place, a place that exists even today. How many of you have been to Jerusalem? Wow, that's very cool. A lot of you, that's awesome. It's an amazing place. It's a, it's a place today that is uh, being contested hotly. Uh, and uh, uh, hopefully there'll be a day when you can get there. There's something very special about uh, visiting this, and it's still a relatively small town, but you can actually, from the slope of Bethlehem, you can see across the valley to the city of Jerusalem. You, you know some of the, the relating points between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a moment, too. But here we have a very real known place. This day in the city of David, a real day in a real place. How was the year of Jesus' birth established? How did we come to B.C. A.D.? What does A.D. mean, by the way? Anno something, it's the year of our Lord, it's Latin. Okay, B.C. of course means before Christ. Have you ever stopped and thought about the reality? If Jesus isn't that a big a deal, then why does our calendar it doesn't matter what religion you are anywhere on the planet today now certainly uh, there is an Arabic calendar but they go by for the most part <laughs> the Latin calendar and, and that calendar is centered around the birth of one little guy. <laughs> Profound influence. Well, actually it was AD 525 that um, Pope John I <coughs> asked a guy named Dionysius, who was a Scythian monk, to prepare a calendar for the Western Church. Up until that point, it really had not been officially uh, organized. This guy, Dionysius, dated Christ's birth as the year 754 of the Roman calendar. Therefore, January 1st, 754 Roman time became AD 1. Does any of this matter? Not a whole lot, so you don't need to pay attention much, okay? But, but hang with me for a moment. Jesus' birth was thought to be the week before on December 25th, 1 BC. The problem, later research showed that Dionysius had missed by four years the one major thing that he had based Jesus' birth on, and that was the death of Herod. We'll talk about that in a minute. Does the Bible help to date Jesus' birth? Well, according to Luke 2.1, Jesus was born during the reign of Caesar Augustus, another very real historic figure about whom we have tons of data, historical data. Uh, Luke 2 says, at the time the Roman Emperor Caesar, uh, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. So Caesar Augustus, we know, lived from 44 BC. No, he didn't live, he reigned. He was Caesar from 44 BC to 14 AD. That's 58 years, that's a long time. Uh, for a ruler, uh, but he was uh, the emperor of the Roman Empire. His most singular achievement during that time 
was what Luke records here, the census. It was a census taken of the entire Roman Empire. Why can you think, why do you think a census was so important for the Roman Empire? Taxes. Taxes. (laughs) Yep, that's right. Taxes, uh, military conscription. There's all kinds of reasons for it. Usually, censuses were taken where, where you lived. But the Romans, uh, they had to treat the Jews with kid gloves. Are you, are you aware of that? The Jews were a people at that time that really refused to be led very much, very profoundly. And, uh, uh, and the Romans, as long as you're not really messing with us, we'll kind of let you get away with it type of stuff. Well, uh, Caesar allowed that the census for the Jews would take place in the town of origin of a particular family. And of course, that's what, what, uh, what Luke records for us. Um, according to Matthew 2.21, Jesus was born during the reign of King Herod. So we have two historic figures that we can gather data from. First is this, uh, this Augustus, Caesar Augustus. And secondly is this, uh, this governor of, of the Jewish uh, state, basically, at that time. Uh, and he was King Herod, King Herod the Great. We know a lot about King Herod the Great. If you have visited Israel today, there are still uh, remnants of the incredibly beautiful architecture that King Herod uh, created. He, let, he invented it, he dreamed it up, and, and he gave leadership to its construction. Still mind-boggling what this guy was able to accomplish. Uh, so in some ways he was great. But I'll tell you what, the guy was majorly messed up. Uh, he, uh, we know that toward the end of his life, uh, well, let me, let, me, let me back up just a second. Josephus, who was the Jewish historian of the time, he tells us of a lunar eclipse in uh, the spring of 4 BC, and that's when Herod, Herod the Great, died. Astronomers today have calculated back and they have fixed that eclipse to have been on March 13th of 4 BC. So that's when Herod the Great died. We know that toward the end of Herod's life, he was very unhealthy. Physically unhealthy, yes, but more profoundly, uh, (laughs) the guy was a basket case. He was paranoid. He was murderously paranoid. He uh, killed two of his birth sons uh, and their mother because he was afraid they were going to usurp his authority and become king in his place before, before their time. Uh, he killed one of his brother-in-laws. He killed one of his mother-in-laws, all for the same reasons. Herod was in bad shape. After being tricked by the Magi, Herod orders that all male children, we know this story painfully well, all male children two years old and younger living in Bethlehem were to be murdered, were to be killed. Now, assuming this was one of Herod's final acts before he died in 4 BC, assuming that, then Jesus could have been no older than two years old when Herod ordered the slaughter. That puts Jesus' birth uh, no earlier than 6 B.C. and no later than 4 B.C. So for the most part today, we kind of settle on 5 B.C. as a a compromise. Jesus was born somewhere in 5 B.C. What about the specific day? What about the day that we have established today, uh, December 25th? Well, you may not be aware, 
We, uh, because we've been fed a lot of stuff, uh, and I'll mention it here in just a moment, that, that really tries to poo-poo the, the, the December 25th date. The reality is this. Two of the early church fathers, the first one being a guy named Hippolytus, he lived from 165 A.D. to 235 A.D. So he died in 235 A.D. Another one, Chrysostom, uh, he lived 343 A.D. to 407. But both of them agreed on the December 5th, 25th date. Now, Hippolytus lived, what, 100 and... Uh, 133 years after, so a couple of generations, three generations maybe after Jesus, and he had established with the Roman church that December 25th was likely the day of Jesus' birth, and that was agreed on. Now, the complicator is this, and you may have read this or seen it. Uh, did any of you watch the Da Vinci Code, the movie Da Vinci Code? Uh, the Da Vinci Code tried to, who's the author of that? Brown, I think is his name. He tried to blow out of the water any historic uh, veracity for Christian doctrine or for the life or being of Jesus at all. One of the things he tried to do was to uh, eliminate the December 25th thing. He said, in reality, December 25th was established as uh, 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 the, the birthday of, Saturn, of Saturnalia. It was called a Saturnalia cult, and uh, this was established, and this is a real thing, but it was established in 274 AD. Remember, uh, uh, Hippolytus had died in 235, so way before this, the church had already established December 25th, but in, in, uh, in AD 274, uh, the Roman emperor, emperor Aurelian established December 25th as a pagan festival called the birth of the unconquered sun, the sun, S-O-N, of Saturn, uh, or the feast of Saturnalia. So uh, if you listen to most secular sources today, they will say that uh, Christmas is just a big hoax and it was established originally as a totally pagan holiday worshiping Saturn, okay, the son of Saturn. Not so. Way before that, the, the 25th had already been established as the birth of Jesus. In, in 2003, uh, a PhD by the name of William Teague did a lot of research on this and he, see, he did this. After much research he concluded the pagan festival, the Saturnalia, was almost certainly an attempt to create a pagan alternative to the date that was already of some significance to the Roman church, December 25th. I've been to Israel three times, and uh, uh, if you've been there, you know that the Roman church has uh, some different places. They like the, um, the, the church of the, come on, bring, uh, where Jesus was crucified. What's that called? Holy Say again? Sepulchre. The Holy Sepulchre. Uh, it, it's... Uh, it's where the Roman church has said that's where the crucifixion happened. And most of us have gone to what's called the garden tomb. And there's a place that looks like Golgotha or the skull there. And we kind of hope that's where it would be. That's much more appealing because the church of the Holy Sepulchre is all gaudy and, and uh, incredibly crowded and not peaceful by any stretch of the imagination. But the reality is this, the Roman church has done a very, very good job of dating and of establishing these traditional spots over the years. So we're really swimming upstream when we, uh, when we try to say that uh, the Roman Catholic Church has been inaccurate on these things. Probably not. They are probably uh, right on. There is another uh, 
objection to the December 25th date that has been raised. And that's simply that for the most part, uh, sheep are not pastured during the winter outside. And so the shepherds, you know, shepherding their sheep by, by, by night, that didn't happen. Well, well, hold on. Two things. First of all, uh, during uh, mild winters, they most certainly did. But more importantly than that, Bethlehem and the sheep raised on the slopes surrounding the town of Bethlehem were raised for one purpose. And what was that? Sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem. And those sacrifices went all year round. And so the raising and the grooming of sheep in Bethlehem, that was 12 months a year. So the December 25th issue is really cannot be an issue there. <coughs> All right, well, probably none of that is new to you and whether it matters or not. Uh, let me offer some, just a couple of conclusions. Number one, the difficulties establishing an exact date for Jesus' birth are, are pretty monumental. I have just touched the, skirt, the surface of, of some of those issues. However, the preponderance of evidence uh, would point to late 5 BC, maybe early 4 BC uh, for this birth. Does the exact date really matter? Probably not. What matters is this. When, when Luke said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, mm -hmm. what he was saying was, there was a day, and there was a place, and there was a baby born that would save you from yourself. It happened. Mm -hmm. An almost unimaginable scenario of divine invasion into human history. If you and I were to plan it, we'd probably plan it very differently. We'd make much more of a celebration out of it. Instead of the little drummer boy, we'd have Eddie up there playing drums, too. I tell you what, I love that, Eddie. Thank you. And I could just hear you. That, that's your sacrifice of praise to Jesus. I know it is every time you play. Uh, but we would have done it so differently. But God, in the fullness of time, right at the right time, came. And he still does that right at the right time. God knows the time better than you and I do. What do you need today? I'm not talking, uh, if I were talking to a younger crowd, maybe some of you might get it, but uh, I'm not talking to PlayStation 24. Okay? My grandkids be all over that. I, I, I'm talking about the need of your heart the most desperate need that you are full of today, perhaps in agony today. He knows just the right moment. And he comes with everything needed. That's who he is. That's how he works. What's what is that thing that, is, that the fullness of time has come for you today? That Jesus wants to do for you today in the fullness of time. I don't know what it is, but I challenge you to think about it. Pray about it. What does God want to bring to you right now? Hasn't been right up to this point. It is right now. Uh, Lord, we are so limited. 
we get caught up in this thing called time. You created time. You stand outside of time, but you use time, and you, you actually <laughs> invade time with your presence, with just exactly what we need, right at that <clears throat> full moment, perfect moment. I would pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning, my friends. I pray, Jesus, that you will come with everything that only you can do. Holy Spirit, would you invade our minds, our spirits, even our bodies today with just exactly what you know that we need. We're trusting you with the fullness of time for whatever that is. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. All God's children said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand together. We're going to close in worship in a moment. Gentlemen, if you would come, we'll receive the offering as we close in worship. And uh, thank you again. You know, God doesn't need your money, but He knows you need to give it. Do you understand me when I say that? If you don't give it away, it controls you. That's the way it is. So return that first tenth and other offerings to him according to his command. Give it in love. Jesus, we love you. We return to you now that which is yours. And you have trusted to us a portion of it. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we give. Amen. congregation as a family for your your gift and honor uh, honoring us last week thank you so much we're going to be heading right out now we get to spend christmas with our family which is really cool and unusual for us so uh, thank you for that and i know many are already traveling and many here will travel uh we, we always pray but you remember when you're 
when your first child or every child, when they got their learner's permit and then their driver's permit, did that improve your prayer life? <laughs> you better believe it. We travel in prayer, in an attitude of prayer. Not with your eyes closed. With an attitude of prayer. God bless you. Enjoy your families. You're dismissed. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
saying it, I
this is the second time. Yeah. Two times in one day. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You gotta be careful. Dan, we're gonna put you in a hospital. Kind of watch you. Yeah. And I'm glad they did that. Yeah. He's gonna be busy. I'm sure he is. Jesus. Guided us. He directed us. He wanted it to happen because it was wasted. something that goes up here? Yes, it does. And she wants to just bring down, thank you. I'm talking. Hello, you're recording. 